something different, a different option. We're a big enough campus and a big enough church that this has to happen. So uh, 15 years ago, he, he selected R- Reverend Scott Hare was here at the time, and he gathered a group of us together uh, to, to kind of come up with what that would be, uh, to come up with what that service would be. And, and I don't know if you remember the very first service that we did in here. It was kind of a trial service. It was a bubble um, uh, uh, that we tried and it was faced this way and we had this like um, crazy little not safe at all screen in the corner and Scott and I did this thing called church center um, from like takeoff of sports center and we had this green screen that this guy in town helped us with and it was just the worst thing um, ever uh, it was so bad and we thought we just owned it you know we were like awesome so many people know Jesus now because of Church Center. The world is saved, job done, let's wrap it up. You know, and so we, we start out, we do these a couple of test services and stuff, and then we move into to new heights. And, and we go through various, um, various intonations, various things. One of our first worship leaders is sitting up here in the front row, Mr. John Gaines. Um, yeah, and then, and then John was smart and said, this is a sinking ship, I'm getting out. Um, horrible, and he left, and, you know, and, and so we were left with me and Daryl, you know, and, and, and so, you know, to think that, that David, as smart as he had, would give the keys of something like this to me and Scott, and, and Debbie Chesney was involved in the originations of this. It's like David was having a bad day, right? He's just like, I don't know, we need to do something, you people do it, you're young not very smart, go ahead. So our goal was um, to have a service where anyone could come. You know, it was, a, it was a casual contemporary service and it was a service where if you come in, you know, where everyone knows your name. We even had a theme song at one time. Anyone, anyone here for the theme song days? Anyone remember for New Heights and Me? Something like that, remember that? Oh, you know, just horrible. Like, really, that is so awesome. I could just see Paul walking around Ephesus going, Jesus and me. You know, so, you know, he had his own little theme song. It wouldn't have been in English, but, you know, and, and so we have all these things and we, we fought battles and, and we, you know, so we really made some people angry and we didn't mean to at the time-ish, but, you know, it just happened. And so we barrel through and we, we come out and, and one of our chief goals was to create a place where you could come to worship and no one would know that you came. We wanted to create a place, an environment, a a place where on a Sunday morning you could roll in, you could sit down where you sit in the back or wherever, and you could experience worship, you could go through worship, you could hear the songs, go through the prayer time, go through the sermon. We used to do a lot of skits, I know. Um, and different things and, and, you know, video clips and different stuff. And you go through all of those things and then you leave and no one ever knew that you were here. You could be anonymous. And here's the thing. We nailed it. We did great at that. We were so good at not caring you were here. Yeah, see how it sounds? We were like, hey, you came to church. We don't care. That's how much we love you, is we don't care if you come. And if you come in, we're not going to ask a thing about you, especially your name. Like, why do I want to know you? You know, I just see you on Sunday mornings and then you're gone. Whatever. 
We were so great at that. How many of you, and this is going to out you right now, and that's okay, you don't have to raise your hand. How many of you first came here because you could come and no one would know? There's a couple of people, there's a couple of people, yes. Yeah, our drummers, like, I came, yeah, whatever, nobody knows AJ. Um, Yeah, so there were some people, and the rest of you that are those people are not going to raise your hands, because then we're going to see you, and I'm going to go, you over there. Um, But, you know, we we created this this environment, this atmosphere where where we could come and, and, and worship in a way that is wrong. It's just wrong. I mean, if you, if you look at the, at the intent of what the church was supposed to be, it was not supposed to be some anonymous structure. It was supposed to be community. The church was supposed to be a place where you came and you were known and you were loved, even though you were known. You hear what I'm saying? Like, I know everything about you, but I still love you. You know everything about me, but, but thankfully you still love me because you don't see me as just as I am. You see me as a brother in Christ. So this shift, this change, is part of our changing of the culture of our church globally. And I'm not talking like worldwide. I'm talking just the sanctuary and New Heights and Asbury and Riverside and Common Worship and Pioneer all the different little entities and things that we do as Alamo Heights United Methodist Church. As we talked about a couple of weeks ago, um, Ryan was here and he kicked us off with this new series that we are doing. And it's talking, he began saying that, that what we are about is joining God in the bringing of the kingdom of heaven. What our job here is to join God and wherever God's moving to bring the kingdom of heaven right now. And last week I said one of the ways in which we do that is to listen to the words of Jesus in the Great Commission in Matthew 28 when he says, Go therefore, all, of, all power has been given to me, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. You can't make disciples anonymously. Doesn't happen. Discipleship we talked about is this long, marinating, slow process of being in one another's lives, of caring for each other can't do that if you come and go and no one ever knows you're here. And so a shift like this, there's a couple of things. One, we're shifting physical reasons to get you closer to one another, to get you closer to us. The back row is much closer to us than it used to be. You are closer to one another now. Now we have some temporary things going on. The projectors that are right there are on little very stay away from them is what I'm saying. It's very precarious. We don't want a projector to fall on your head. I don't know how I'm going to talk to the news about that. Um, and, and, you know, and we don't have screens up there and there's just some, we just wanted to try this and to see how it goes. And you know what? At the end of this experiment, all of you may go, you know what? We'd rather not do this. But we're just opening something up here. There's a little, there's some things going. This chair right here is a chair that that we brought in. Um, how many of you like the chairs that you're sitting in? Yeah, no one raises their hand. <laughs> no one. Those are the worst chairs ever. If anything brings us more to monasticism, it's those chairs. <laughs> Hate yourself for God by sitting in these chairs for an hour. You know, that's the thing. So we got these chairs and they're just, I'm going to, oh yeah, that's nice. That's, what? I'm sorry, that was just, wow, I could have had a little break right there. That was so nice. Um, yeah, so we're, we're, we're looking at bringing these chairs in to, 
to help not just us, but Thursday Lunch Bunch and all the different things that happen throughout the church. But we're, we're trying to like reimagine physically stuff. And, and part of that reason to physically change is what I said when I came up before they went into their bridge is when you physically reorient yourself, it opens you up sometimes. When you physically change something, it can change your interaction with God. You ever get stuck in a rut? You ever like go through the same things over and over and over again? You know what the advice that's given a lot of times? Change where you do it. Change when you do it. Just change some little physical aspect of it and see what happens. See what happens when you open that up. So we shift this way. And some of you be saying, maybe saying, but we're turning away from the crosses. Well, I think we've made it better for them. Here's the thing is these crosses right here were made by Marianne Hollingshead. And if you know Marianne Hollingshead, she is one of the matriarchs of our church who's been here for years and is just an incredibly spiritually deep woman that you just can't help but feel God's presence when you walk by her. But she is this artist who does paintings much like these. Um, and when we began New Heights and we needed a cross and this room is so big, they really prayerfully, she and Kay Barber and some other people got together and really prayerfully were considering what do you do to a gymnasium to make it feel like a sanctuary? Do you put a cross well, that seems silly. So you put a bunch of gigantic crosses. And so she prayed about this and she goes through um, scripture where God is giving uh, the instructions for building the tabernacle. And if you know those instructions, they are very intricate and very ornate. They're very particular. God is like, I want it this way. I want these colors used. I want this many cubits of this and all that kind of stuff. So the colors that are used on these crosses are the colors that God said, this is how I want the tabernacle to look. So she takes that palette and she goes and she prays over these crosses and she, and she makes them one by one. And some of them, she, uh, she was just sharing the story with me the other day. Some of them were done at the coast down there. And they, the process that she does is she lays paint down and it dries for a long time. There's like 30, 40, 50 layers on some of those. It's laborious work, you know, it's like, a, it's like really fast for a second and then you just wait and then all this stuff. And, and the cross on the right is called the Jesus cross because it's the biggest cross and it's the one, there's a pamphlet about this that has all the stories about it um, that you should pick up, it's really cool. Um, but in the Jesus cross, one thing that she wasn't intending to do is to paint the face of Jesus and yet Jesus is Jesus. And so he appears in that cross, his face is seen up there. Some of you may see him, some of you, don't. That means you're not a believer. Just kidding. It's not. I, I know that some people have a hard time seeing those sorts of things. Um, I said this at the first service and someone came up to me and goes, I totally see Jesus. I'm like, really? Yeah. It's right. He's like, it's right there. And I'm like, that's not where Jesus is. Um, but that's cool that you see him there because that's, you're, you're wrong, but that's awesome. You know, um, and I'm not going to tell you where he is because that would ruin it because some of you may be seeing Jesus somewhere else right now. But that's the Jesus cross. And then there's the John cross, the disciple closest to him. And then it goes through some of the more, more of the disciples. And then it gets to this little cross on the end out by itself. And that cross on the end is the everyone cross, the all people cross. That's our cross. Because the rest of those don't mean anything if we are not a part of it. Here's the problem with coming into a church and being anonymous. It takes all of us to be the body of Christ. 
When God set the church up, he didn't go, okay, I want just a couple of you to go out into the world. He said all of you. It was a community. It was a community. In Acts, when Pentecost happened, and Pentecost is 50 days after Passover, and it's a celebration when Jews from all over would come into Jerusalem, and it was mandatory for people who lived within a certain um, radius of the city to come and to worship. And you come in, and it's a celebration of the, the laws being given to Moses. It's a celebration of the first part of the harvest, and you would offer this sacrifice back to God of, of these loaves and these barleys to, to pray for a successful rest of your harvest season. But, but what happens on the Pentecost after Jesus ascends into heaven is something magnificent. The church starts. It's when the Holy Spirit descends. Remember, Jesus says at the end of the Great Commission, and I will be with you always to the very end of the age. I, God, will be with you. Jesus sends us the Holy Spirit. And it moves from Jesus, God being here in a physical form on earth, to God being in every one of us. Every one of us. The power that, that resides in each one of you people is amazing. And the Holy Spirit descends and these people are, are just filled. The, the tongues of fire, it says, just come down. And the disciples get, get tongues and they start speaking in tongues. And people from all of these different nations understand them. And a lot of people want to be comforted in the fact that like, oh, well, they're just speaking in other languages that those people understand. That's what it means by speaking in tongues. No, that's not what it means. That would be not like God to do that. What would be like God is to have some unintelligible language come out and then people understand what it means. That people wouldn't just hear the words, that they would feel the words. And if you're anonymous when something like that happens, man, so much is missed. Because let's be honest, if something like that happens, if I start speaking in some tongues, which I'm not going to, but I'm not... <laughs> I'm not going, right? No, okay. Um, you know, and if that happens and all of you understand exactly what I'm saying and God is speaking through me to you through some unintelligible language, aren't you going to turn to the person next to you and go, oh my goodness, did you just hear that? Dave, you know, I, I mean, you're not gonna wanna turn to somebody that you don't, you're gonna like, that person is now a part of you. That is something that is, that it's a, one of those moments in time where you know where you were when, and it changes you, and you know who you were with. If we come into this room and we're anonymous, and we don't know who we're with, then when those moments happen, we miss it. We miss it. It takes all of us together to worship God. Here's the thing about it, too, is, is this day right here, Sunday, this isn't the biggest day for God. You know, sure, it's a day that we come in and we celebrate him. David at the 830 service, I heard him say this. He said that, you know, for a long time, what we, what we said was worship was, was ourselves giving value to God, was like going, good job, God. Way to go, way to be creator. Good job on that creation thing. You're so, you know, like passing on warm fuzzies to God, like God needs warm fuzzies. He's like, really? That's... I created you. And you're like, hey, good job on that one, buddy. No. What it is, what worship is, is, is our understanding that our value comes from him, not the other way around. We don't give him value. He gives us value. 
And because of that, we come into this room and we say, hey, thanks. We praise him. We honor him for that. And we come together as a body saying that it wasn't just me that he created. It was, it was my brothers and my sisters. In Romans chapter 12, Paul says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. When you think of what he has done for you, is it too much to ask? Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. These are the words of God. Thanks be to God. Now, in, in this section right here, what Paul does for us is he sets up for us what worship is. So when we come in here and we give honor and praise to God and we worship God and we say thank you, we celebrate what the Methodist church says, um, we celebrate what happened at church Monday through Saturday. Sunday in church, Sunday's the day we talk about church. See, but what we have come to know, we've come to know Sunday as church, as worship. You come in, you're 11 o'clock people, you come in at 11, we start at about 11, 7, you know, whatever, we start whenever we start. And you leave at 12 and church is over for the week. What Paul is saying here is, eh, no, 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 no. If you're a brother and sister in Christ, if you understand what he has done for you, then your job then is to be a holy and living sacrifice. We started off two weeks ago by saying our job is to join God in the bringing of the kingdom of heaven. And part of that is, to, is by making disciples of all nations. One of our seven pillars of this church, the things that we think it makes us who we are, is worship. If you are not worshiping, you can't do those other two things. If you are not living your life as a sacrifice, let me, let me explain what I think that means. In the Old Testament, God lays out all of these laws and these orders for sacrifice. Animals, incense, different offerings. You know, there's, there's just very intricate details on when something happens, this is what you need to sacrifice in this way. You know, the thing about it is, is I, I had a conversation with, um, with two people in my office this week, and they were telling me that the sacrifices of the Old Testament were irrelevant. Like, God didn't need those. And I was kind of like, no, 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 no. God says in here many ways, this is what he is wanting. This is how you're supposed to do these things. These are the important things. Like, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. But he also says in there that I desire not your sacrifices, but your mercy. Oh, thanks for throwing God's word in my face. See, what, what I think that, where that took me was the sacrifices of the Old Testament were not for God, they were for us. See, God didn't need us to kill a fatted calf in order for him to forgive us. He's God. We needed that. We needed that interaction. We needed that concrete thing to do. We needed that, that, that tangible thing to say, okay, there's no way that God could ever forgive me even though he is all loving. So I'm going to have to do this thing in order for him to forgive me. Fast forward into the New Testament. 
In the New Testament, you have, you have the, the, the covenant from, um, from Abraham. You have Jesus who comes, and God comes in the form of Jesus. He dies on the cross, the new covenant. Forgiveness is there. Boom. You are forgiven. Through the blood of the cross, that sacrifice has happened. So what Paul calls us to is not a sacrifice of death, but a sacrifice of life. It's a, sa- it's a living sacrifice. We aren't, to, we aren't to live our lives in such a way that death is always around us. We are to live our lives so that life is around us. We are to live our lives in such a way that people may see the light of God, that people may understand who God is and that God loves them, even them. When, God, when Paul calls us to be these holy and living sacrifices, he doesn't mean it for just Sunday morning. What he means is that when you go into the world, this is how you are to live your life. Live your life in such a way that people may know God. Look, we all sacrifice to something. We all sacrifice for something. Your job, for money, for your family, for power, for popularity, for whatever it is. What God is asking us to do here is to sacrifice ourselves so that we may have life. See, that's the thing about it is most sacrifices rob you of things and bring death. The word sacrifice doesn't have a really positive connotation to it, you know? But the way that God sets it up is that as we sacrifice for him, we get more full of life. As we live our life more for the kingdom, we experience more of the kingdom. You don't know what it means. C.S. Lewis says that love is, is a verb. He's like, look, if you don't love someone, act like you do. Act like you love them. And eventually, you're going to love them. If you don't know what it means to live your life sacrificially for God, do it. Walk out of these doors and begin to live your life in such a way that you're just sacrificially loving people. And look, I'm not expecting you to be Paul or Phoebe, or I'm not expecting you to jump out of the gate and have a cross named after you. Baby steps. Walk out of here and say, hey, how can I love someone the way that God desires me to love them today? Who is it that God's gonna put in front of me today that I can say, you know what? That's the person I'm gonna love, even though I maybe don't want to. But I'm gonna love them the way that God's asking me to love them. And then you expand it, you expand it. And then you begin to realize that Sunday morning is a time of celebration. It's not church. Sunday morning is a time when we get to come together and we get to talk about what we did at church. Sunday morning is a time that we get to come together as a family who knows each other's names, who knows when you get, look, I get it. Sometimes you want to come in the room and you want to, you've had a really bad week, right? And you just want to come in and you just want to sit and you just want to have the worship just pour over you. I, I, I understand that. I have those days that I don't want to see you people either. You know, to, sorry, you know, too much. Okay. Um, but, but, but I love the fact that when I walk in here, there are people who know me well enough to say, hey, you look a little off today. Are you okay? 
and we're, we're close enough to where I can go, you know what, I'm not, but I need you to back away right now. I don't want this. This needs to be the type of place when you come in and somebody notices, hey, Dave, I don't know why I keep throwing a Dave name out there, but hey, Dave, you don't look, <laughs> Hammer, there you go. You don't look like you're yourself today. Is anything wrong? And Hammer goes, you know what there is, but I, I just can't, I gotta deal with it myself right now. All right, I'm gonna back off a little bit and I'm gonna let you, but, I, but you know I'm here in the room and I'm gonna be praying for you. And if you need to come over, I'm, I'm here. Or maybe Dave comes in and somebody sees him and goes, Hammer, you're off today, man, what's up? And Hammer goes, oh my gosh, thank you for asking, let me tell you. And just unloads on him. He's like, whoa, whoa, it was just, I was just saying good morning, really, David, I didn't really care. Just kidding, that's not true, not true at all. <laughs> but see, here's where these crosses come in. Because while we're shifting things this way, that leaves that spot open. And it's always been a little awkward for us to have prayer on either side of the stage after the service. It's just a weirdness for us, for whatever reason. And so what we've decided to do in this experiment, and, and, and should we go forward, is, is create this as a ministry area. A place where these crosses, as they are beautifully lit and not interrupted by that ugly screen, you can see them. And there's just like this power that happens over there. So our prayer team's going to be over there. And, and that's where you go. That's the, the ministry, spirit-filled whatever zone. Some of you people are getting nervous on that side, aren't you? You're like, oh, oh my gosh, why are people looking at us? We're sitting over there next week. Um, but it's like, th this is the place where you go to, to just, hey, I need somebody to pray for me. Hey, I want to pray for someone else. That's where you go. That's the spot where, where people come in and, and they're not feeling well, or maybe, maybe they're hurt and they need someone to pray for healing. Go over there immediately. It's not to say that prayer can't happen on this. You people can pray too, but we have other things for you. That's the place. This is the kind of place where you need to be able to feel free to come into this room and know that you're loved for who you are. Over there, we're gonna have a table and it has information and, and the Crayolas that Elmo has found. Where'd Elmo go? He's back there now. Um, that, that people find and, the, and they get to color and, and there'll be uh, informative things like uh, the women's ministry uh, retreat is coming up in a couple of weekends and, and some men are gathering together, men whose wives are going, whose sisters, whose mothers, whose friends are going on this thing and they're going to meet at the Harris house on Friday the 28th. Um, and and it's all men and all of their children are going to come at six o'clock. There, there's the deal, and there's going to be this gigantic blow-up movie screen that they're going to have in the backyard, and they're going to show a, a movie, and they're going to have pizza. Doesn't this sound like a great idea? Just like what can go wrong? A bunch of dads <laughs> in charge of all of these kids and a blow-up movie screen. I like. Can you bounce off of this thing? Because that's going to happen, um, you know. And so maybe they're going to be praying for the the ladies and 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 for whatever kid breaks a, an arm over there that night. Um, and so that's where you go to find out information about those things. Find out information from Cindy Boynton, our, um, the, the person who's in charge, as I said the other day, of loving people. Um, if you want to love people by the different missions opportunities that we do, maybe the Medans are going to be back there um, talking about our trips to Piedras Negras. Whatever it is, this is a community. This is a family. We are a place where you come together and you know what it means to be a part of a church. And it doesn't mean that you come any longer and you worship and you leave and you never say hi to anyone. If that's the kind of church you want, I'm gonna say it, you better find somewhere else. Because brothers and sisters, we're gonna get up in your business. We're gonna know who you are. You're going to know who I am. Here's the thing, 
is I'm really bad at names. And a lot of people, a lot of you people know my name because I say it most every week. And then I go out into the community and you say, hey, Michael. And I'm like, hey, you, how are you doing? Bob? And it just puts me, I said this once, but this guy, Jeff Bailey, he's not here today. He's going to be one of the guys in charge of the prayer thing. Um, he came up to me years ago and he, he said, hey, Jeff Bailey. And I said, I said, Jeff, I got to tell you, I'm going to forget your name because I'm, I, you know, so many people introduce themselves to me on Sunday mornings and, um, and my mind really is mush. Could you do it every time you see me? Two years. Every time I saw him, hey, Jeff Bailey, I finally went, I know, stop it. But you know whose name I'm never going to forget? Jeff Bailey. That doesn't give you all license to do that immediately. Okay, I can only take a couple at a time. But we need to be doing that with one another. You need to be doing it with the people that you sit around. You need to not always sit in the same place. Shake it up a little bit. Move around. I notice people and where they sit. I notice you two always sit on that side. And even though we shift everything, you're like, well, we still got to sit on our side. It's okay to move around. The meetings are so uncomfortable up front right now. They just cannot handle it. That's what you get for coming late. You know, you're going to have to sit next to the pastor and he's going to call your name if, 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 he, if he knows it. Um, but this is going to be a place where that happens. It's going to be a place where at the end of the service, when we give the benediction, it doesn't mean that the service is over. It means that church has just began. It doesn't mean that when we say the Lord bless you and keep you, lift his countenance unto you, make his face to shine upon you and give you peace, that you're like, Jesus done for the week. No. Anybody ever play street ball as a kid? A bunch of people out, you like go out into the street and you're like doing whatever, it's like soccer or baseball. Or whatever. I know, it's so sad that like kids are just too dangerous or whatever now. But yeah, when we used to do it, when a car would come, what did you always say? Car. car. Everybody scatter, right? You get out of the road because here comes the car. When the car was gone, what do you say? Game on. Game on. Guess what? Right now, car. We come into church and it's a car moment. Everybody scatters into church. We celebrate God. We worship. Maybe we hear a little teaching that pushes us a little further where we are. We gather together as a family and we talk about our hurts and our pains and our joys, everything that's going on. And then at the benediction, what do we hear? Game on. Game on. That means get out. Go to church. That means go be the hands and feet of Jesus. Be, as Paul says, a holy and living sacrifice. Be transformed. Not by what the world tells you, but by who God has created you to be. Sons and daughters of the kingdom of heaven. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Lift his countenance unto you and give you peace. Game on. That means get up and get out. Go be church.